The following is a production of the Phoenix Studios Podcast Network here at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. For more podcasts, be sure to visit uwgb.edu forward slash podcasts. This is Serious Serious Fun. Okay, welcome. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi. Yeah, there we go. There's the (laughs) muted response I was looking for. Uh, Welcome to a live recording of the podcast, Serious Fun, on the Phoenix Studios Podcast Network. I am Dr. Brian Carr, traditionally the host of Serious Fun, um, but for Women's History Month, we're doing something different. Uh, The guy is going to not talk for a change, um, and we're instead going to let women uh, talk about issues pertaining to popular culture. This is a show about popular (laughs) culture. You're nodding along. You like this now. Yeah. Yeah. You you like where this is going. Yeah. Um, So today... (laughs) uh, So before we get started... Of course, I want to give a quick thanks to um, some of the folks who helped make this possible. Uh, big thanks to Mike Schmidt uh, down in ATS for helping us get this set up. Uh, also want to thank Helene Rosner for helping us uh, with like some of the logistics of this. Um, I want to give, of course, a th- quick thanks to our panelists, panelists from last week, too. Uh, I also want to say thanks, Stitcher. Can I get a big thanks, Stitcher? Stitcher! Woo-hoo! You're asking why do I have you say that? Well, we're also on the Stitcher network, so we have to legally say that. Um, <laughs> so uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, gender and body issues in uh, popular culture, everything from film to music, to sports, and and advertising. Um, And basically how it's going to work is I'm going to go sit back down here in just a second, uh, and our panel is going to take over. I want to quickly introduce our panel. So we'll start over here. Uh, This is Quinn Carter, uh, president of Feminist for Action. Woohoo! Yep. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, We have uh, Jana Focaccia. Did I say that right? Uh, you got Jenna right. I got Jenna right. Yes, <laughs> she is not a delicious. She's not. Ah, oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, fine, which fine. I keep yeah. it's Focasa. It's Focasa. Okay, Jenna Focasa. Thank you. Uh, uh, psych- uh, here from psychology, we have Allison Gates from art. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, and we have Dr. Christine Smith from psychology. So uh, hello, Christine. It's true. Everybody but Quinn is a doctor, and Quinn is a doctor in spirit. You're a goddess. I'm not a doctor. Okay. So hi, Chris. Hi, Brian. All right. So we're going to just turn it over to our panelists right now. So get a big round of applause for our panelists. Thank you. All right. So we're going to talk about body image and, you know, all that bad stuff. (laughs) So uh, Brian gave us a list of um, topics here. And um, so the first question was, where do unrealistic standards of body image we see in popular culture come from? And is it shaping or mirroring effect regards to how we view body image in society? And so I'll just throw out, just real quick, White supremacist, heteropatriarchal capitalism. Just saying. Discuss. Well, actually, am I, can you hear me? Am I on? Okay. Is Allison on? I can't hear myself. Uh, Well, Chris is right, in a way. Uh, In art, there's a theory that it comes from the tradition of oil painting, which is actually, as you say, um, a white heteronormative tradition within the art world. Painters used to travel around and people would pay them to paint their stuff. And in painting their stuff, sometimes that meant painting the members of their household, their wives, uh, who they kept dressed and, you know, looking fashionable and draped in pearls. And uh, the wives were pretty much painted exactly like the furniture. 
those were the public consumption paintings. And of course, then there were the private paintings where there were uh, the other possessions of the man of the house, which were mistresses. So uh, we think it comes from the traditional oil painting in my field. So, well, I, I, in this uh, sense, I was thinking of not necessarily through sport, but I'm also from Brazil. And then um, <laughs> when I think about um, expected b body image by society, I also have kind of two different of expectations uh, that I've be, uh, that I've seen. And in Brazil, it's a it's a bit different than what we see in the United States. So kind of drawing more from experience. Um, and I think what what made me think about it is like, I don't have the answer. Is it a mirror of society or is it shaped by society? Um, I don't know. I think probably um, society makes a difference. Otherwise it will be kind of the same or not. I don't know, <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, but no, no, because it has, it has evolved. So it has to come at least in part from cultural pressures, but um, I think it comes from uh, control, who has control, yeah. and who, who likes what yes. when they're in control. Yes, yes. So in, generally speaking, just like in terms of uh, what, what is beauty, I, I feel like in Brazil, um, okay, thin is everywhere, but then in Brazil it's more about the butt, uh -huh. and then here it's... A bum bum contest every year? Yes, and, and <laughs> a, a concept of a nice butt is completely different in Brazil than from here. Here sometimes, I, and I know this because of media, nobody like told me anything about my butt. <laughs> 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 Thankfully, but... Uh, that would be called sexual harassment. <laughs> yeah. But but back in uh, like when you watch TV, like uh, I remember once uh, watching How I Met Your Mother, and then Robin was saying that she like Marshall told her she had a nice butt, and she was like, yeah, I, I feel like I'm having a nice butt day, and I'm like, I don't see any butt here, <laughs> so so it's very different um, the concept of what it's a nice butt, and then and it goes along with like a general body type, and even being a little bit more muscular, I think mm -hmm. it's more accepted or, or still like within the beauty frame in Brazil. So that's what I had more in mind. And then I think when we go to sports, then maybe the issues become a little bit more similar of like the issues of uh, people judging uh, women uh, for being too mu to having too, mu too much muscle. And uh, while that's part of their job, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they have to, to be like that to perform. Um, and that that definitely does not come from from you know the sport that the sport demands them to be like the opposite the sport demands demands them to be more muscular and um, society says you know that's not what we expect from you so that that becomes more confusing. Well, I'm so glad you brought up butts because <laughs> <laughs> that's something I wanted to talk about today. Um, <laughs> Specifically, the slim, thick body type that's been popularized recently. Um, because I don't know that much about 90s pop culture, because I was born well, in 97. Well, I know everything <laughs> about 90s pop culture, so. Um, but if I'm right, I believe in the 90s, um, there was more focus on just slimness. Yeah, like, no, all the around butt was yeah, yeah, right, no. right. So the, the butt has only become like recently popular in our culture. 
And um, I think it's been appropriated from um, like black women's body oh, types. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely agree that it's um, a white supremacist, yeah. heteropatriarchy, all that that was mentioned before. And um, yeah, going back to the word unrealistic, I think that's definitely the point because um, the industries that create these trends, um, you know, they're just profit motivated and that's where it comes from. That's the point. And there there really isn't, uh, oh, if you look at the history of the ideal feminine body it's changing all the time there's ne- there's never been a time when it's stabilized where everybody's like yeah this is the good female body it changes all the time and it's important to keep us really insecure and always guessing because that's the way to sell more clothes and that's the way to sell more diet aids and more um, foundation garments and just everything exercise equipment um, because if if you know you have a flat butt during a time when the booty's in you got to beef it up right but then if it goes out of style you got to get rid of that thing so that that constant cycle of keeping women really insecure and really always guessing about what's attractive and keeping that at the forefront of um, our energy like women put so much energy into thinking about um, is this right you know does this look right and it's all about money well and if you beef up the butt mm-hmm. <laughs> if you beef up the butt you cannot that often beefs up the waist etc and mm-hmm. note how it's a big butt but it's a tiny waist right so it's also related to like sir mix a lot like sir mix a lot said (laughs) (laughs) i will not i can quote that song i will not quote that song um it's not the appropriate audience for that song um but the the, uh, but part of that is kind of what is beautiful is rare it's hard to have a big butt in a tiny waist Mm -hmm. it's hard to have in a culture that is very um plentiful etc where it's difficult it's often difficult to get regular exercise things like that it's harder to be thin and so and so part of that too is to sell things right mm-hmm. um, and to create problems to begin with like who knew your eyelashes weren't long enough thank God Revlon did they mm-hmm. created a problem right. a problem a product to solve the problem they created mm-hmm. And so it is very much based on what most people don't have. I mean, I'm just even thinking about those oil paintings you were talking about. Well, those are rich people, right? Oh, always. Right. They were never poor people. They were always um, rich men paying other men to paint the women in their lives. Yes. So you, I, it would be interesting if we actually knew what those women looked like, because they probably didn't look much like those paintings, you know, because... <laughs> we don't even know who most of those women are anymore. Their mm-hmm. identities were lost as soon as they were old enough, no longer to be attractive to the person who was yes. keeping them. Right. So you see youth is important, which is rare because we get older, and as, especially for women, because youth also... In, um, often intimates experience and so there are a lot of different factors um, and so a lot of it is kind of is marketing mm-hmm. I was just even thinking about a sort of a general thing you know 20 years ago nobody cared if your teeth weren't really white <laughs> right I'm really glad you brought that up because 
I want to talk about Olympic athletes and <laughs> why they have blinding smiles all of a sudden. Well, uh, you know, I think one part of that is because we were getting older. As we get older, our teeth tend to get yellow. You now have this huge number of baby boomers who are aging and insecure about their age. And someone found a great market for that. Mm-hmm. And so now all of a sudden, we've got this, we've, they created a problem that was not even a problem 20 mm-hmm. years ago. Right. Just to sell a product. And mm-hmm. so a lot of that, I think, is part of all of this so I could go on but <laughs> I also think it's funny how it's not good in society to be black or brown but then um, be tanned it's awesome <laughs> so right, right. Yes. yeah isn't that weird <laughs> or yes. have big so lips weird. if you're white but mm-hmm. not if you're black right yeah right. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, going off what you said about marketing um, I've noticed um, a slight change in the trend and um so one company that's leading it i think is airy with their oh. airy real campaign yeah um so what the airy real campaign is is they're just not airbrushing their models um and i think they also maybe use some curvier models but I, i'm not really sure about that um yeah they do yes so uh, i think they kind of started the trend and then a lot of other companies have been following suit um, but it's paying off really well for them. Um, just from an article that I read, they've seen 26% increase in profit. Um, do you think that, what do you think about this trend? Is that, I think it's a good thing, but um, do you think that just body positive people snuck their way into these marketing jobs or do you think it's a response to a demand for body positivity in the market? I, I don't think body positive people just snuck their way into the into the boardroom. <laughs> I, I don't think that at all. Um, because everything, uh, feminism, they're really trying to market feminism now. Yeah. Um, they, like within weeks of the Women's March, there were uh, models stomping down the runway in designer pussy hats which is the antithesis of what that whole movement was about Mm -hmm. and um, I thought that was one of the most cynical examples of like oh if we're gonna if if that's popular let's hop on that bandwagon without realizing that the reason it was popular was there was no bandwagon it was a (laughs) genuine expression of of you know a lot of things but I I I always applaud the try when they do these things, mm-hmm. um, at least initially, uh, Dove tried it, mm-hmm. um, and it's fine until the slimy underside starts showing. And unfortunately, it always does. They always slip up. They can't resist doing a little nip tuck, or something comes out about the way the models were treated, or something like that. And it always uh, seems to fall apart. Um, I think if the company started out body positive, just like from the get-go, and that was part of their mission, um, I'd feel better about it. But uh, typically, those mall, what's area? It's American Eagle? Yeah, it's uh, the American Eagle lingerie. Yeah, yeah. So American Eagle doesn't really have that good a track record on um, being super body positive. Uh, they're not as bad as some. I think H&M actually computer-generated models for mm-hmm. a while because I guess real women weren't good enough to wear their clothes, and yet they were selling their clothes to real women even though they were uh, sold on computer-generated 
you know, and, and I have to say all the computer generated models, um, they did come in various colors, so there was <laughs> diversity in there. I do like the airy thing. I, I, I like that in the sense that I, I, I think it's good to at least see some natural bodies. I mean, mm -hmm. I can critique it too, but I do want to give that little shout out to them for doing that. Because when I go to the mall in Appleton, the Aries across the, right across from oh, yeah. Victoria's Secret. Mm -hmm. And you see airy with real, kind of real bodies. <laughs> On the other hand, as the token fatty here, um, <laughs> airy, I can't go to airy, or can I go to Victoria's Secret and buy clothing? Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting, the, the research is now showing that the average woman is between a size 16 and 18. Mm -hmm. Aerie doesn't even go up to those sizes. So if Aerie really cared, but also if they wanted to make more money, they mm -hmm. would actually expand it. So it's always fascinating to me that companies would rather not make money than put them on fat asses <laughs> in a nutshell. I, I think the perception is that if they actually fit women where women are, then women wouldn't do things like, um, you know, buy weight loss mm -hmm. uh, equipment and diet products and things like that, or um, that's somehow condoning bad health. Um, the fashion industry is really, really hard on women. It's really hard on women, and people like Tim Gunn have, have started to yeah, speak up about it, great. thank goodness. Um, but that's something that I think is, um, is we really have a long way to go. I have to say, um, I'm very thankful to women who work out and uh, develop strong calves because as soon as it was noticed that women with athletic calves couldn't wear regular boots, suddenly people like me could find boots that fit their calves. You know, it was, but it had to be packaged in that like athletic calves that's why your calf isn't a 14 inches around kind of calf, you know? So I think that that's something um, that's great, but I know a lot of really athletic women who can't find anything that, you know, getting dressed to go to a wedding or something like that is, they can't find dresses that fit their shoulders, mm -hmm. they can't um, find uh, clothes that um, accommodate strong biceps and things like that. And it's. Mm -hmm. That's a lot it's of ridiculous mass, mass marketing right so right. they do it and by the way i can't find boots for my calves you know how long it took me i went to lane bright and my calves were apparently too big yeah, well yeah and what is what is a regular size calf yeah good question right? i don't know yeah exactly. i mean who even thought about what how fat their calves were not so until back they, in the day right. back into back until well, back before that, the long boot came in well and also <laughs> back before when you had the made for you right, to right. fit your body mm -hmm. but now it's mass marketed so right, right. so and like another cultural <laughs> um uh, fact that is, I, I thought it was super interesting I have one of I have a good friend from uh, South Korea and she told me how you know it wasn't it's not nice to be muscular in, in South Korea and it's um, you know even worse than here and uh, so she was telling me that she had a major in uh, double major in physical education and uh, psychology she's also in sports psychology and uh, there to go into physical education you have to have a um, physical test so you have to practice to be able to pass it and you get more 
muscles, right? Um, so she said that um, some women would not want to do that major because of that. They didn't want to uh, develop their muscles because uh, it was not, you know, attractive. And then she said that even some uh, women would um, make a surgery to cut um, the part of like the tendon so they wouldn't uh, develop the muscle. So it was like a preventative measure so they wouldn't have uh, wow. strong calves. So that, that really made me... Um, well, because muscles shock. are a sign of strength and we don't like strong women, mm -hmm. yeah. right? So even you're going into physical education, but you know, but there's also the really the cultural demands and how you know, there's what you want to do and there's also or who you are and how you are and then what the culture wants and it's really difficult to go against the culture and because there are just so many rewards for conforming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was really crazy because she w she kept telling me that she was fat and then she was like perfectly fine <laughs> and she was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm so fat and we were so we the, the we were classmates in Europe when I was I was doing my masters there so she was like oh I cannot go back to to South Korea like this we were you know running regularly together and she was like I, I need to lose weight and I'm like you're just fine um, so so she was super worried and for me it was like okay if you would go to Brazil like this you would be fine <laughs> but you know as a fat person um, and when I hear that sort of thing, it's like, oh, what, are you afraid to look like me? Is my life so, my body just so horrible that, like, this is the worst thing that can happen to you? Yes. Right? And so that, that fear of fat is really something we need to address because mm -hmm. it is, I mean, not only is it symbolize, um, especially for women, like, appetites mm -hmm. and right. not being able to control yourself not having willpower and not being a conformist to what the culture wants and so right. it, it's fat is seen as poor you know negatively for men and women but especially for women it as women gain weight because especially because they have children and so they gain body weight during puberty during when when they have baby when they get pregnant etc that idea that being fat is like the worst thing that you can be mm -hmm. is and that it's uh, and then we all guise it in the face of oh well i'm just worried about your health no you are because you know nothing about my health mm -hmm. and i know nothing about yours because you're thin but a lot of this is ultimately around fear of fat and believe me being fat is just fine well <laughs> well and i also think that you brought up a good point compared to who if, right. if if you're not fat in one part of the world, but you are fat in another part of the world, that just points out to the, points out the complete absurdity of any judgment of fat or thin, um, and and also over time, fat or thin again they go in and out of style. There are mm -hmm. points in art history where mm -hmm. the most beautiful Venuses are. A lot bigger than you, Chris. Mm -hmm. Sorry, you're not Venus size. I'm working on it, Allison. <laughs> I'm going to be a Venus of Willendorf eventually. <laughs> I'm not going to stand in the way of your dreams. <laughs> in, in kind of like in a similar fashion, I th in sport, um, if you act like, okay, you're strong and then you act like fearlessly and, you know, you're playing, um, you know, showing perspective perseverance and like you know your desire to win and like you you yell and you know Brazilians are very expressive so sometimes you know we, if we're doing well in a game uh, some some people on the other team or some of the fans of the other team will be like oh you know you're a, a lesbian or something like that as if it's like 
an offense, right? <laughs> right? So you know what if, what if I am? <laughs> so, so two issues. One is yeah, lesbian. <laughs> yeah. So two issues here. One is like okay, just because I'm acting uh, right. called masculine right. here, you know, to win. Uh, now I'm a lesbian, and then okay, what's the problem if I am <laughs> as well? Right. right. But right. all these are to keep people in their place. They yeah right. and. Well, you know, I have to say, this came up in, a con- in an email conversation I think I had with Brian. I'm interested to see what's going to happen now that there aren't um, these abusive men controlling the aesthetics of women that we see on the big screen and the little screen. When Roger Ailes left Fox News, he's he was the man who invented the acrylic desk, so that's why all of... The female newsreaders on Fox have to have good legs, right? Like, who cares whether a journalist has long, thin legs? Um, well, if she's sitting in an in front of an or behind a desk that you can see through, you're probably going to want to look at her legs. So, he leaves Fox, and a lot of different things start to happen. Um, and then uh, now that Harvey Weinstein isn't controlling every woman that we see on the big screen, it'll be interesting to see how those things change. And maybe some of the stuff that we're talking about uh, will no longer be quite as um, oppressively enforced uh, on women in the public eye. Because I really feel like women judge themselves based on what they see out in the media, right? Like there aren't that many fat women on the big screen right now so that must be a bad thing uh everyone thinks that they have to look like the actress in their favorite movie and that's just really unrealistic so i think that um it's going to be interesting to see uh because control has got to be shifting and once women are in charge of what other women look like on the screen it hopefully will develop in a more positive way I mean, already we're seeing um, some presence of older women. There, it used to be that you never saw any woman over 35 in a movie or or anything. And you know, the leading man could be 90, and uh, the ingenue would still fall in love with him as if she didn't notice. And we all know young women. Um, there are some that are attracted to older men, but people. I know a lot of young women who think old guys are gross. I'm just going to put it that out there. Like, and, you know. And most people like their own age. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Quinn, yeah. did you uh, something? Uh, just because I want to make sure Quinn gets... <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to bring up the new Amy Schumer movie that's coming out. Okay. Um, I don't recall the name, but um, it's basically the premise of the movie is... She is not confident, and she hits her head, and suddenly she's confident. She thinks she's, like, the hottest thing. Um, But one criticism I've read of that movie is the idea that Amy Schumer is not beautiful is, like, kind of the basis for the movie, or, like, in part, because it's like, why would Amy Schumer start the movie off thinking that she's beautiful and being really confident about her body? Um, Because Amy Schumer... Um, stands out from like the typical Hollywood body but that's just like a ridiculous notion because Amy Schumer looks better than most women in America or she fits the she fits the ideal closer than most women in America. right she yeah she's conventional enough yes that's sort of the space that she occupies yes um, and I think that that's um, 
Well, it's going to be up to Amy's acting chops. <laughs> she can act like she's not quite as attractive as we know she can be. But, you know, there's all, a lot of that is just artifice. Um, I know a lot of women who really, really like to wear makeup because of its hugely transformative powers, and it can be fun. Um, but then I know an awful lot of women who also are makeup consumers because they don't feel that they are even attractive enough to leave the house without, um, you know, what they call their war paint or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I think that that's going to be um, an interesting uh, trick that Hollywood is going to have to do to convince us that... Um, but I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it, I know women as attractive as Amy Schumer who have no confidence at all. You know, I know lots of attractive women who have zero confidence just because of the way that they've been treated um, or uh, messaging that they got when they were little tiny children, little girls. Um, you know, when you say to a little girl, oh, you're so pretty, um, you're pretty much leading her to believe that that's the number one thing that she's got to be. And uh, if you weren't fed that line as a kid, you probably don't believe that of yourself as an adult. Mm -hmm. Well, and, uh, you know, on one hand, only in Hollywood, Amy Schumer be considered the ugly duckling. <laughs> yeah. But I keep thinking, too, about the, remember the film, The Truth About Cats and Dogs? Mm -hmm. Uma Thurman was the pretty woman and Janine Garofalo was the ugly veterinarian. Only in their world was Janine Garofalo ugly. Sarcastic? <laughs> My lady. Anyway, um, <laughs> well, yeah. See, but that was that was why we agreed that she could be the unattractive one right. because she was the funny one. She was smart. smart. She was yes. like snappy. Comeback. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. she's funny. There, because, therefore, yeah. since she has a personality, she had to develop a personality. There go, ergo, she mm -hmm. could not be the attractive one in the movie. Come on, Chris. But it, but, right. But it is sort of this interesting thing of like who in Hollywood they have would they have play a quote unquote unattractive person? And second of all, like it's still the how what this you had to get knocked on the head for you to actually have some confidence. Yeah, how right. else would a not conventionally attractive person actually have the balls or the ovaries in this case mm -hmm. to actually have confidence enough to think that she could get the job she wants to get the man or the woman she wants so uh, it's still a really interesting premise it's still mm -hmm. sort of like how how could she how could she possibly even think that yeah, but you know what? There are a lot of women in my life. I, I teach predominantly female population. Yeah, there are a few I wish I could knock on the head. Because I, <laughs> right. I think that would be good sense for them right. to actually see what they've got going for themselves. Mm -hmm. both, both physically, mentally, emotionally, intellectually, the whole package. Oh. And, and for some reason, I can't see it. And yeah, I mean... What does she get head, hit over the head with? Maybe I want one of those. <laughs> she falls at the gym. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's like... <laughs> Maybe on the treadmill. <laughs> I didn't have to go to the gym to make that happen. But that's the thing, too, though, that, you know, you only could be really realistically be often seen as and really be confident about yourself if you hit all the societal norms and mm -hmm. expectations. 
which and there's too many of them and there's too many conflicting <laughs> ones right there's too many conflicting societal goods and bads right you you got to be smart but not too smart you got to be um, charming but not really funny you, you know you have to be fun to be around but not too wild it's it's a constant um, there's constant mediation on women all the time but I will say that, you know, as part of somebody who's part of the fat acceptance, size acceptance movement, there definitely is a push. And I do think maybe, I don't know if Aerie would come out of it, but there definitely is a backlash against mm -hmm. all of these just... Finally. Yeah, right. All of these constraints. And so I see more and more women and men say... <laughs> And like myself, you know, to some saying, you know, first of all, who made that decision? It wasn't me. How dare you say that my body isn't just fine, just the way it is? And why do I have to look like that to be a particularly valuable person? Mm -hmm. They're fine. They're valuable because they are. But why aren't I, too? And then, so I, I am seeing a movement and a backlash, a small one, of people saying, no. As I, as I tell people, you know what, you're probably, your body's probably not really going to change that much. You're going to get older and things, but you know what, you're, prob you're probably not going to change that much. So you kind of have two choices. You can hate yourself or love yourself. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of energy to hate yourself. You could be doing so many better things. And that's what the patriarchy wants mm -hmm. of you. I mean, it's true. If you get a group of people to hate themselves, you could get them to, you could do anything you want to them. That's true. That's absolutely true. And I think now, um, maybe because of the last presidential election and some other things, women are beginning to compare themselves, their experiences less to one another and more to the experiences of men. Mm -hmm. And uh, looking around, you realize that, yeah, there's a certain pressure on men to look a certain way. Um, but it's a different kind of pressure. It's not uh, do or die kind of pressure. Um, and men are not forced to think about the way that they look every minute of every day. Um, and, and again, I have to go back to art because there have been a lot of art critics who have talked about um, how women are constantly, um, we're never alone because we're always with the, um, the sense of surveillance, but it's a male sense of surveillance. How we look to men is always what's going along with us and the male gaze comes into that into play at that point too um, whereas men I think are allowed a certain um, period of time every day where they probably aren't thinking about how they look to women um, and that must be a big relief <laughs> yeah. and in this line I, I think it is also funny how like people sometimes think of, okay you got married now you don't have to worry so <laughs> right, much about right. it. Yeah. <laughs> wow I wasn't going to the gym for <laughs> you know yeah, right. Right, the, the other right, people right, right. <laughs> right well and also that whole idea that you have to be attractive to find a good mate mm -hmm. well how many people in the world have, have partnered up you know take a look around <laughs> it takes all <laughs> kinds there's a lid for every pot you know right. and yeah. um, and so that that hopefully is um, is really truly false and usually the most um, almost the scariest relationships for me to see is uh, when a man is deriving too much of his own self-worth from the way his girlfriend or his wife looks mm -hmm. um, because that puts the pressure of both of their levels of success or self-esteem onto the woman's shoulders 
and you think that value. that's fair? What happens when she gets old? Right. Mm -hmm. Then does he trade her in for a younger model? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, yes. And historically, women have traded beauty for you know status and money mm -hmm. with men. Yeah. Yeah. And so, not that we would see that anywhere in like the president or anything. <laughs> um, but well, I, I don't know. I, you see men in, encouraging their wives to get plastic surgery and that kind of thing. You think, wow, like I can't imagine being married to a man who would say, yeah, I think you should um, check yourself into a hospital and have a little nip tuck, you know. Don't worry about the dangers of anesthesia or infection or anything like that. That would that would signal to me that maybe our relationship was headed in the wrong direction. Or that idea, because when you mentioned South Korea, there's also a lot of plastic surgery that goes on in South Korea mm -hmm. in general. And so when you're talking about that, I'm like just, and so what you're often seeing is these ideal, um, these attractive women in South Korea all look almost exactly the same. Because mm -hmm. right. a lot of them have had eye surgery and they've had like, mm -hmm. um, plastic surgery make their noses look similar mm -hmm. and so that whole idea of like just to be acceptable that you have to look only one way yeah is yeah. is just horrifying to yeah. me right right I, I have a friend from China who would make mm -hmm. fun of the people from South Korea <laughs> <laughs> that they do too much uh, plastic surgery and she said, especially on the eyes, that they mm -hmm. were like yeah. trying not to look Asian right. and that Chinese people would kind of make fun of them. So, And think <laughs> about that. Why? What's wrong with looking Asian if you're Asian, for yeah. example? Right. <laughs> right? You know, but somehow non, not, you know, looking westernized mm -hmm. is just... It is considered to be much more attractive, and that's really sad. That's a whole sort of denial of your culture. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. Also, like um, <laughs> Western influence is leading to a, a rise in anorexia and uh, other eating disorders around the world. So <laughs> we're problematic. <laughs> Why does anyone want to be like us? That's my question at this point. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that I think that is really crazy that. I don't know if it's uh, as often now, but I was hearing a couple years ago uh, very often different challenges that they had of like um, the the gap between the legs or no thigh gap. Uh, yeah, mm. yeah. So they had like different challenges of uh, or yeah. closing your uh, fingers around your arms. Mm -hmm. So they had they would post videos of themselves trying to do you know closing. Yeah. You know, oh yeah, up here. Up here yeah, up right. here, closing your fingers or um, how how wide the, the gap was. I don't remember what was the challenge with the tie with the gap uh, between the ties, but I remember like three or four different ones coming in a row a couple of years ago, and I was like, oh my god, this is completely not okay. <laughs> well, and and when you think about those kinds of things, if you're occupied in um, if you're fully occupied getting thin enough arms to put to be able to put your fingers around them in that way or you're fully occupied in working in a certain workout to give yourself thigh gap um, what are you not doing in your life you know what productive thing are you are you not reading good books are you not visiting your friends are you letting all your relationships fall apart are you not you know, studying to get into law school. You really have to wonder if you're so deeply occupied in making sure that your body fits an impossible ideal, 
uh, it becomes almost, um, I, it just, to me, it seems like a self-made prison that you would lock yourself into. Mm-hmm. Um, and no wonder we're not getting farther with the women's movement. But yeah, if you have, you know, you only have so much cognitive energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and cognitive energy is also fed by literal energy. If you're starving, you only have so much literal energy. And mm-hmm. so, and that's, and yet, it's interesting because when I'm, I argue against dieting, because, you know, why why promote something that has a 95% failure rate? Right. <laughs> that will probably make you fatter than you were the, before you started. But the most resistance I've gotten, I remember the, the most resistance in any talk I've ever given was the National Organization for Women meeting at a feminist organization. I'm like, you want to continue hating yourself and go toward doing something that's not going to work instead of, for example, extra, you know, doing things that really are good and healthy for you. Like instead of how, and thinking about exercise and how that's related to anorexia and other kinds of things, you can exercise for joy and pleasure and health, or you could exercise because you ate a hot dog yesterday. And so many women, especially don't exercise for health or for enjoyment they exercise for this one particular reason or you know we're eating foods that are you know healthy for you that and the uh, or going doing types of exercise that give us joy and so people don't end up doing any of those kinds of things they just end up like it's it's a self-loathing is what it is well it's almost like the exercise is punishment yes, for ha- having been a bad mm-hmm. person who mm-hmm. ate something you knew was fattening mm-hmm. and um i think our society punishes women enough that we don't we really shouldn't be too in deeply engaged in punishing ourselves <laughs> because right, yeah. most of the time we don't really deserve what we're getting anyway um and uh so where was the joy in eating that hot dog it was immediately removed mm-hmm. by the thought well i'll have to work out twice as long tomorrow to get rid of this hot dog <laughs> you know it's one stinking hot dog in your <laughs> lifetime. You should just eat it and forget about it. Just move on. <laughs> yes. You also bring up a really important point about social media when mm-hmm. you talk about people posting videos. Because yeah. I remember I was, I think I was in middle school or just starting high school when the thigh gap trend started. And so looking back, it was just like one more thing to be scrutinizing about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and Instagram is my favorite app, but it's probably one of the most problematic apps mm-hmm. just because, uh, well, I think social media, although it can be like a helpful tool for sharing things, but also, of course, very um, harmful when you're sharing things like that. Well, I think um, that's you bring up an interesting point with the whole idea of like the advent of social media and the selfie <laughs> because oh, yeah. feminists were really excited about selfies at first (laughs) because it was the first time women were like taking control over their own image Um, Mm -hmm. but what happened over time was that women figured out the way to um, (laughs) uh, emulate the male gaze in selfies right so that's why so many selfies are taken from that one angle over your head down your shirt with your Uh bottom lip pooched out you know Yeah, it's we all know that, you know, and it makes your eyes look really big. And um, so you look really innocent. And it's it's an emulation of a pose created by a man as this, um, I don't know, prototype sexy. And so 
it's less exciting to feminists now. <laughs> There's the selfie because girls and women didn't actually take the power over their own image and recreate anything new. Um, but I do think that that is an area that, um, especially I know from being in the art department, a lot of the photography students who are female um, do delve into self-portraiture and are experimenting with um, new ways to present uh, their bodies that do command um, attention in a completely different way. Because if you, if it's you, and you're the subject of your own image, and you choose to buck the system and actually show yourself in a quote-unquote unattractive position or some aspect of yourself, look, no gap in these thighs. Um, it's radical. It's it's quite revolutionary because we aren't used to seeing women present themselves in a way that is both, um, well, in a way that is incredibly honest. You know how, um, I know that you know this, as a young woman, there's that idea of uh, women who wear makeup, false advertising. Um, oh, yeah. I'm familiar with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and that's one of those things. We're not, right now in our society, we're not used to seeing people unaltered. We're not used to seeing images of human beings um, who aren't made up, photoshopped, styled, groomed to within an inch of their life. Like the Kardashians are the most groomed human beings <laughs> on the face of this earth. Like, it seems like their whole reality show is centering around going from one grooming task to another <laughs> and and so when you see a, a picture or you see a human being completely unaltered it's shocking but what a relief <laughs> you know what a huge relief and and also just another comment on the selfie and how you know you're saying that um we learn how to you know, use the demand's eyes to, to take selfies. Because <laughs> um, Snapchat also oh, developed those yeah. filters that make your eyes big mm -hmm. and like look like a little cat or something. And the first time I saw it, I was like, whoa, so you know what, what's up with my friend? And I was like, <laughs> oh, this is a filter. Because I, I don't have Snapchat, but sometimes they will post mm -hmm. somewhere else. And, and I was like, what? What's happening here? This doesn't look exactly like her. <laughs> so, and, and I mean, it does, in my eyes, it looked nice. It was just weird because I knew her and I thought there was something different. Um, so I realized it was a filter. So even, uh, you know, aside from us having to learn how to like make the right faces and get the right <laughs> angles, also Snapchat came and say, "Hey, you can just use this filter and also right, you know, right. aid you." In this. You don't have to do the gymnastics of holding your phone <laughs> in the right position. We'll just put the filter on it for you. Yes. You'll look that way. Like, thanks. That's a product we didn't need. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen people too who put pictures on Facebook, and mm -hmm. they're also airbrushed. Yeah. And so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your iPhone will put a filter on something for you, Chris. Uh, I, don't need one. <laughs> I didn't think you do. Exactly. I'm just saying. You want to mix it up. But that's the thing that I think we don't. It, it, you know, people's bodies are interesting. Yeah. You know, people's real bodies are fascinating. What's so fun about everybody looking like everybody else? I just don't understand that. But, you know, I didn't always have that perspective. Believe me. If, when I was 15, if a thigh gap was in, I would have tried to have one. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I went on my first diet when I was 12 years old. Yeah. And so we, we managed to just 
wreck ourselves just fine without <laughs> without selfies. Right, right. Yeah. We were yeah. In, in another yeah. thing on, on the lines of like looking like everybody else for me is the the hair part, right? Because. Uh-huh. Um, Everybody that has uh, curly hair, you know, straighten up. Mm -hmm. And then most people also make them blonde, (laughs) even if they're not born blonde. And and for me, I always like my curly hair. The one thing that I kind of, it bothers me is the frizz part. Uh, but I make a point of like still have my natural hair and, <laughs> and you know, working accepting because otherwise it's just, you know, I'm going to spend all this energy straightening and being different. And I don't think, honestly, that I feel like my face looks weird when my hair is straight. Uh, and uh, and I don't I definitely don't think that blonde would go well with me. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I think. Uh, this is another thing like related to to body that you know you kind of have to have the same um everyone and then even my mom my mom has a curly hair but she straight strengthens and and she he bothers her you know my friends bothers her and she's like oh you know because you can like um moisturize and do some stuff and and it helps um but she's like oh don't you want to do this and <laughs> and i'm like oh you know maybe uh, we'll see <laughs> well this we'll fine see. straight hair when i was young i got a perm right because i wouldn't have hair like you yeah right <laughs> The, the hair is always greener, you know. <laughs> On the yeah. other side. Right. But, it's, it's but it's always, just, you always want what you don't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's just nice if you, like, organizedly curl them, mm-hmm. like, make some waves with the, <laughs> with the little iron thing that I forgot the name. But if you have, like, naturally curly, then people... Right. Well, so then weird. I came... My dad... I have my dad's hair. And my, my hair is like baby. Feel like <laughs> seriously, it's oh, like it's baby hair. Super. Seriously. For those of you listening, it's super soft. I just I know, touched right? it. <laughs> and so I like sort of started for, for just, I like seriously, I'm like, feel my hair. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, um, if you're black, I'm like, do not ask do not black people to touch their hair. Touch <laughs> <my> <laughs> hair. This white lady, you can touch my hair. I just, <laughs> <laughs> um, because. <laughs> You know, so I sort of began to appreciate it because mm-hmm. I like this is a representation of my dad, mm-hmm. you know. And so as I've gotten older, I'm like, okay, it kind of is what it is. Right. And then I'm like, oh, it feels really soft. And then like, and what, now when I look in, in the mirror, I um, you know, I look and I see my mother, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing because my mother's you know passed away, and so I get to see her. And so all these kinds of the, these aging things and like those are things I'm beginning to appreciate because they remind me of that, that, that um, you know, those genetics and that history. Where you came from and you're exactly. proud of where you came yeah. from. And I look yeah. exactly like my grandmother. So yeah. <laughs> I never wanted to do that. Well, <laughs> she looks like the Venus of Willendorf. Well, anyway. that's your goal. You just stated exactly. that's your goal. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know if it's my goal. It's my destiny. <laughs> then make it your goal exactly that's easy. exactly i'm like it is what it is so easy i'm gonna to rock it that. <laughs> easy to achieve that right well i also feel like um now that there's uh, a lot of people are really looking into their their genealogy and mm. their dna and stuff like that and i'm hoping that really that brings people more peace about why they look the way they look because you can't escape your own genetic um history so uh, if you can make peace with the fact that, yeah, I came from Irish people, and that really contributes a lot to the way that I look, um, you know, maybe more people will find a certain amount of um, 
pride, without getting too weirdly nationalist about the whole thing, um, I think that uh, maybe if people understood why they look the way they look, it would be a better thing, you know, uh, but who knows? Hair is always going to be problematic, though, (laughs) because it's okay if it's on your head, but it's not okay if it's anywhere else right now. And Mm -hmm. personally, I find this really disturbing since puberty is the is the point at which right. we start growing hair all over our bodies <laughs> the fact that body hair is seen as repugnant is uh, if you follow that train of thought that is the creepiest thing ever that mm-hmm. we want women to be hairless from i don't know the nose down and but have lots up here but have a lot up <laughs> yeah. up top that's yeah. not natural for a grown woman to have that configuration going on yeah so that that's odd to me and painful mm-hmm <laughs> the other thing. And and actually it's, you know, a million dollar industry. Right. Yeah. Or more. And it's not even healthy. No. Yeah. I, I as a the Brazilian, Brazilian person I <laughs> definitely I definitely embraced that one. D- didn't even question. <laughs> it's named after your culture. How sad is yeah. that? <laughs> but I do want to say for the record, the other thing is that I don't know about you, when I was when I was little I thought my mother was the prettiest woman in the world. And so and now I look like her. That's pretty yeah, awesome. So there you go. That's right. So yeah. your daughter probably thinks that too, and will think <laughs> that about you. Yes. So I mean, if you think about that, you know, like at one point you thought this woman who and my mother constantly struggled with body image issues and weight issues, but I thought she was the prettiest woman in the world. If we could see ourselves through mm-hmm. those other people's eyes, mm-hmm. it would be so different. It would be different. Yeah. yeah. It would be a lot different, but we don't train ourselves to think that way. And mm-hmm. maybe that's the future has to look more like that. I agree. Um, I know we asked in Chris's psychology of women class um, where everybody got their ideas of beauty from, and um, pretty much everybody said their mothers mm-hmm. and just talked about um, their mothers dieting. So that's one way we can change it. And yeah. I don't fault people that have body image issues because, oh, like, no. how could you? How could right. you not? Yeah. We didn't start this problem. Up in this culture. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, it would be a small start to work on loving yourself and mm-hmm. work on um, not talking about dieting and your body concerns around no your children. Fat talk. Yeah, no. Do I look fat in this? I look fat in everything. (laughs) So, I mean, it is what it is, but this is something women engage in all the time. And and it doesn't matter if you look fat or thin in your clothes. I look Mm -hmm. fat in my clothes. I still look fabulous, too. Because you're a lovable, sweet person. And because I'm hot. Well, yeah. (laughs) Well, you're married. I'm not going to hit on you. But you, you can objectively acknowledge somebody's hot with that. <laughs> and because we all are in our own way. That, right. I mean, kind of, that's what I mean, you know, that we all have this. And like you said, you know, people find all kinds of things attractive and find all kinds of people attractive. And we all have our own sort of hotness. And right, beauty. which is, and I think that's a good takeaway. Even though there's this push towards uh, uniformity, if you have taste that differs from your best friend's taste in partners, that means that there are people out there who comparatively would find you the most attractive person in the world just exactly the way that you are. And um, and so maybe the, the 
um, popular culture needs to reflect that more, that uh, taste is very individual and that we all have a place in the world and we should be concentrating a lot more on being nice to each other and um, cultivating clean air than we should (laughs) um, worrying about thigh gap. Yes, snaps, agree. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. All right, well, thank you all for being on Serious Fun. Quick round of applause for our panelists. All right, we'll be back again uh, next week for our final show about the unsung female heroes of popular culture. Till then, this has been Serious Fun. Thank you all for coming. We'll see you next time. You just listened to a Phoenix Studio production, the podcast network for the University of Wisconsin Green Bay. For more podcasts, visit uwgb.edu forward slash podcasts.